Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz pod. Matt and Jordan here to discuss Watford's draw with Burnley. First things first though, how are you doing this evening, Jordy? Oh, I'm doing all well, I think, uh, considering the emotion, emotional roller coaster we were on last night. Um, all things considered, I'm doing okay. How about, how about yourself? How are you feeling? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I enjoy the game. I, I enjoyed the game. It was um, interested to see how Watford would do coming up against, you know, the, the season's best performer in Burnley and... Uh, how it would play out didn't exactly go the way that I that I thought it would. I thought um, Burnley would hammer us, to be honest. But um, I mean, all things considered, um, I'm not too unhappy with the point. But um, anyway, let's get into it. Uh, the starting eleven for this game was going to include one Tom Cleverley, but sadly, Jordan, he picked up another injury. This time, a thigh injury, I believe. Uh, I think he said he heard yes. uh, a pop, which doesn't sound great. Uh, and it, oh, he said that, did he? Yeah, and it uh, it came <laughs> in the warm up just days after we were discussing how important it is to make sure you get the warm up uh, perfect. Mm, interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, a, a thigh injury and hearing so by thigh injury, you know, referring to his quad. So hearing it pop generally is linking to a tendon or ligament, which would be. Uh, not abnormal, but I'm, I'm surprised that would be the. Generally, if you have a, a quad injury, it's often a you know a slight tear or a twinge or something. Nothing too serious, but a pop is not. <laughs> it's not the best sound to be hearing if you're a you know mid thirties uh, player coming back from injury. Mm. I don't know. I mean, look, there's tons of factors that could be involved, so it's hard. We don't, we don't want to speculate too much, but you know, when you when you are recovering from an injury, you are coming back from an injury. These these sorts of um kind of antagonists like other sort of symptom type injuries aren't uncommon. So hopefully it's something short term, but yeah, I don't like the word pop very much. No, the only thing I want pops involved is uh with my rice krispies. <laughs> Even then it's debatable I'd say, but yeah. <laughs> What's your breakfast uh, cereal of choice, Jordan? I'm not a big cereal. I mean, cereal's not really my thing. But if I if I was going to treat myself, I, I do like a, a cinnamon crunch. It's probably my go-to. Oh, nice, nice. I thought you might be a porridge man. I am a porridge. If you oh, if you're including porridge, then by all means, I'm a porridge man. I, <laughs> I eat porridge pretty much every every day. Um, I do enjoy yeah, I porridge, but I do if if I was being really decadent about it, I do have a soft spot for it's it's not even. I mean. Cereal, really, when, we, when we're being honest, is not breakfast food. It's not really good food at all, is it? But if we're going to go a step 
No, if we go a step further and make it truly indulgent, um, Marks and Spencer used to do a great, it's kind of like a, almost like a chocolate granola cereal, like had like bits of chocolate and stuff in there. Terrible for you, but as a, uh, as a chubby kid, it was great. <laughs> okay, well, we're getting a bit off topic here, but uh, it's interesting to know <laughs> what Jordan likes to eat for breakfast. Um, we'll save so, that for the cereal edition of the, um, yeah, the Patreon yeah. podcast, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, then, let's get back to the actual starting lineup. Um, so with Tom Cleverley not able to feature, instead, uh, it was Semma that came in uh, for Martins, and uh, Davis was restored uh, in place of Arouge. Uh, and it seemed to be a formation change as well, Jordan. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I think, I think the the change in the change in personnel obviously made things difficult for for Bilic. Uh, we had to consider that as well when you know we're talking about the, the game as a whole, definitely, and, and kind of the the tactical approach too. Um, I would imagine the idea we kind of talked about. I believe we talked about it in the podcast. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought we talked about it in the podcast. But uh, using Tom Cleverly as kind of that disruptor, we've seen him in that role before, where he operates as the the most adv- most advanced forward, just to try and get amongst the. I mean, generally the number six that's playing there. In Burnley's case, they kind of play the couple. Then he can kind of stem that flow a little bit, or kind of pressure them to move a little bit faster with the ball, which is useful for a team like us. We know we're going to be off the ball more than not against Burnley. Um, it's going to be a difficult game to play in. So I think that would have been. You know, primarily a focus, and, and I think also too with him being kind of pushed into that lineup, it shows that it was probably um, quite an integral part of the approach. So taking him out was difficult, and we obviously saw Ken Semmer go in there, and it was a little bit different. He doesn't operate in the same manner; he doesn't have the same you know, positives when it comes to skill set. So I think we saw a little bit more of a, a versatile or flexible midfield. Ken was often getting into some wider positions just by nature of how he plays, and it was. It is a little bit lopsided at times, which isn't the worst thing, but it was definitely a a compromise, I'd say. I mean, he did he did very well, though, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think Ken offers something. I, I think he's look at this level. He he does he does contribute. Um, he's not the he's not a perfect player by any means, and and I know he has his detractors, but um, he he can be effective and he's good enough. He can carry the ball. He can work defensively hard. Although one thing I will say, the the, the free kicks are on the edge of the box. Ken Semmer is, is bizarrely weird at them. It happens far too often. There's one right late on in the game where it almost cost us quite heavily. But um, apart from that, yeah, he, he does put in a lot of effort and he, he has the ability to uh, to back it up. And obviously uh, he played a part in the goal as well, which was, um, you know, we you could argue is something that, that Tom Cleverley wouldn't have been perhaps in that position to do so should he have been in the pitch. So I know it's a very much a butterfly effect question. You can't really say too much on that. But uh, he did well when called upon. And uh, Davis restored uh, in place of Arouge, who has been getting a little bit of criticism just because he, he doesn't seem as though he's been as as, a, as effectual as people were expecting him to be, given the, the sort of fanfare that he arrived with. Yeah, I mean... In terms of Arouge, I think, you know, he has to be in a position where he's getting the ball to him. If you go back and, I mean, if you if you feel inclined to do so, to go, if you could bear to, to go back and watch any of last night's game, um, or even if it's a little bit more pleasant than the one before, uh, you, can, you can look and see the movement of, of Arouge and, and how he calls the ball and how he looks for the ball. And perhaps last night's not the best example, actually, because of the situation we're in. But go, go back to the game before and maybe have a look. But... He's often moving quickly. He wants the ball a little bit earlier than we've been giving it to him. And we discussed in the last game too, delivering the box is coming from such wide positions. It wasn't really kind of getting anywhere near to him. And 
when you've got a player that, that makes those runs, especially when they're trying to beat offside traps and so on, you kind of have to be quite precise with the with the delivery. And maybe that's on the Rouge too. I think you have to understand if, if you're a Rouge, you've maybe got to start adapting and perhaps he will. Um, and working with the players you have around you to perhaps help them get you in good positions too. But, you know, I think yesterday when he came on, I was one of the advocates for him coming on when he did for Davis. But I think it's fair to say it didn't quite work. I was hopeful that, you know, perhaps it would it would give us that extra little bit of um, extra little bit of mobility in the forward areas and, and maybe pressure Burnley's defence a little bit or give us some passing outlet just to kind of keep the ball moving if we had Martins getting forward too. But I, I feel like the physical side of things let him down a bit last night. It didn't quite click when he came on. Um, but I, I think criticism as a whole for Arouge is a little bit premature. We've not put him, put him in a great position. Um, to succeed but I think when he has been in, in the game he's not done badly it's just last night just didn't quite click from uh, the way we were trying to kind of defending that lead effectively towards the end of the game what, what did you think of, of, of Arouge? Yeah I felt like it was difficult to really see what he was trying to do because he had the ball so rarely so it was it was hard for me to to, to really comment mm. Yeah, I mean, I think he only touched the ball ten or twelve times. It's like he wasn't on the ball much, and it's it's tough. But I guess the I guess the bigger question in terms of seeing more minutes, what, what do you think of Davis's performance? Because equally divisive, I'd say recently has been uh, the opinion on Davis. It felt like he came in and he was so positive early on, but I think as maybe since the World Cup, uh, especially things have been a little bit more, a little bit more negative on on Davis as a whole, opinion wise. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's. The, the fact that we still have the, the very open question of who is our starting striker um, at this stage of the season isn't really a good question to still have, is it? But no one's really um, nailed down that role yet. Davis was the closest to doing so. And it seems as though he's currently in favour with Billich because he he's the one that's starting at the minute. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think ultimately he's... He he offers some. Uh, the thing is, with Davis, he offers a lot when he plays to his strengths. He can he can be useful coming deep and picking up the ball. He's a great link man. I think you almost you almost look at at, at Davis as in the same way you may look at a creative midfielder in a, not, a very different execution. But he's in there to to bring those other attackers into play. When you've got someone like Pedro that can get forward, you've got the wingers like like Saar and Semer or even Martins and he's playing. You want to get them into shooting opportunities and goal scoring opportunities. And I think Davis is good at that, but. One criticism I have had of him over the last couple of games, at least, is his his time on the board has been a little bit too long. Uh, I feel like he's not quite playing at the tempo and speed you want to see from Davis. He's physical. Um, he's strong. He holds the ball really well. His touch is good. I'm not expecting him to um, to necessarily you know burst past players. Though he can carry the ball, but when he does get the ball, oftentimes that opportunity to release it is just a little bit out of it. It just goes a little too quickly. The window shuts a little bit too quick and either the ball doesn't get there or the opportunity closes and you have to kind of move on to plan B and it's it's not quite working. Um, and maybe that's down to the quality of our movement around him too. It's probably a hybrid, I'd say, that we're not, we're giving him just the one option and it's not happening quick enough and then the, 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 the kind of phase of play is dead, which isn't always his fault. But um, it, it's certainly not been as smooth as we'd expect or like to see. And, you know, there's plenty of footage out there. You can watch Davis, Davis play at Forest and, you know, they think they did a better job of, of working with him and, there's plenty of examples been doing well in the exact sort of situation we're seeing him. So I think we just have to try and find that balance and uh, see if we can a way to get see if we can find a way to get that out of him because it is really effective when we do. And we, we've seen glimpses of it, but we're not quite seeing it on a consistent basis now. 
There was a formation change for the for the Burnley game. Was it a four three three, Jordan? Yeah, I think that's the the closest thing you can say, and it's, it's somewhat flexible just because of the fact that Semmer's not really naturally playing that position, and it has a tendency to perhaps get forward or drift wide a little quicker. Um, but yeah, it was it was a different shape, and it it, it was one that we as we thought might happen, but. Um, yeah, it was it was slightly different. It's, it's, I don't think we'll see that again in the exact same manner, just because I'm sure we'll probably try and get loser in the next game or, or someone else to kind of fill in that midfield spot uh, and have more of a conventional uh, setup of the of the three. What did you make of um of Jao Pedro? Uh, I thought he was great actually. Um, it was a it, it was a tough game. It was one of those games for Jao Pedro where you feel like sometimes he's kind of you know, carrying the team on his back when it comes to bringing the ball forward and getting it wide and just kind of looking for options. There was a quite a few times where he's obviously dropping deep as, as Jao Pedro does. We know that famous kind of Jao Pedro drop deep, pick up the ball, beat three players, drift across the pitch and spread it wide or, you know, play the ball into the forward positions. And he does it so well. Um, there's multiple occasions, you know, you see there's a reason why you see that foul in the middle of the pitch on Jao Pedro so much. It's because he's hard to stop. Um, and he does find himself in those areas a lot. Uh, there's a couple of times yesterday where he got the ball forward and he was unlucky um, not to not to get more out of it. And obviously the goal I thought was really well taken. Uh, his, his positioning was good. He he played at speed. He was he was moving into position when the ball reached him. Good finish and yeah, not and not to mention too that's just offensively. But I thought defensively he put in so much work yesterday. He was he was really really solid. And I think that you know we'll probably get to that shortly. But um, the substitution of him coming off it made a big impact. It was it was difficult to. Uh, to find that outlet and and also someone that can play it, you know, play with with a calm presence, but also still be physical and uh, and battle in that midfield area, which we really really desperately needed at that point. We expected Burnley, who had won ten in a row, to be on top. To be fair, and and, and they actually started off quite well. Watford were struggling to begin with, but they got back into it thanks in in no small part to a goalkeeping howler from Murich. Uh, it was I don't know what he was doing. It seemed like it seemed easier for him to catch the ball, but for some reason he tried to knee it out. I don't know. It was. I think he must have lost his bearings in this position and just kind of. Yeah, it was. It was. It was poor. But I thought even before that, Burnley, it looked like that was coming, didn't it? Like there was a sense of a little bit of. You could see the Watford forwards just could sense there's a little bit of blood in the water. I think that's kind of what led them to be that little touch more aggressive. That they were a little bit sloppy, Burnley, and you know they have a lot of the ball, and when you do have that much of the ball, if you are having a sloppy night, then it can mount up you quite quick. They gave the ball away a lot. They did, yeah. And I think they probably saw an opportunity in Watford. They probably they probably looked at us and thought, you know, well, it's a, t- it's a team we've got to be careful of. They have they have some dangerous players, but they're a team you can dominate. And I think they they were trying to, with the fullbacks especially. Uh, we know the type of play they like to, they like to use. Um, but I, I just think they weren't really executing well. And I, I'm sure... At half time, Vincent Company was furious with the way that team was. I mean, you you can tell that by the substitution that was made. Is is furious at the goalkeeper, but um, yeah, as an, as a whole, I thought their back line was was problematic for them, and it was something which I hoped we might be able to exploit in later periods of the game, especially when they started to commit more. I know hindsight is is very much twenty twenty, but it felt like there's an opportunity there to um, uh, to kind of work off a, in, in more of a positive effort rather than the the, the defensive kind of change we made. Um, it felt like we were maybe we were maybe in with a chance to uh, to capitalize even further. Although, having said that, we didn't create much um, in the second half, especially, and it was it, it was a difficult game anyway. We know the quality, as you said, but uh, Burnley weren't at it. That's for sure. No, the goal that Watford did manage to score after that mistake from Burridge, 
it would have been very easy actually for for a team not to be able to take that opportunity. I, I think it was it was very well done from mm. from Semmer in particular to find Pedro, who uh, himself did well to get back on his feet to uh, to give himself the opportunity, and uh, it was it was it was a well worked goal in the end. Yeah, I think it was pretty high level execution of that goal. I think it was really well taken. It was um, good from Ken. And uh, yeah, it wasn't. It, the, th- the thing is, I will say about that is, it's not, what was really nice to see, and it was, especially when we, we talk about Arouge as well. Um, it was a pass. It wasn't a hopeful ball into the box. It was an opportunity which came about quickly, and he had to find the one player in the box and find him accurately. And he did it really well. Uh, and obviously, Jao Pedro read it and, and and had to make the move too to get into position and finish. It was a really well taken goal. But just to see an actual cross into the box with accuracy, with precision. Um, and being made into a pass was was really nice to see, and I think, uh, yeah, I think again, you know, Ken is someone that's had a fair few detractors, and I think that's an, a, another example of how he can be effective for us, especially at this level. It was a, a well taken goal all round. In the second half, Vincent Company opted to change his goalkeeper, uh, Murich coming off for Peacock Farrell. Mm-hmm. You don't see that that often, Jordan. It was uh, it took me by surprise a bit. I I expected him to sort of back the keeper that was that was in Murich and uh you know basically say look you you're still my man and and keepers make mistakes but he went very much the other way with that one yes yeah, certainly a statement um being made you know you could i could probably i'd imagine that it was it was probably a statement not just to the goalkeeper but also to to kind of address the rest of the players on the pitch because you know Murich might have been the one who was at fault uh for that situation for that goal but um, there, there were plenty of opportunities for, or plenty of mistakes made by other players in the pitch, and I think it was kind of a bit of a wake-up call from from company towards his players. And it it did work to an extent. Um, they did come back and they did play better in the second half, and they started to contain us a little bit more. Mistakes became less frequent. I think it's fair to say as as the game went on for them. And uh, yeah, but it's, it's a big call, and it was uh, one that was a little bit of a surprise, I'd say. Watford um, were defending pretty resolutely in in the second half. Burnley were very much on top. They had eight shots compared to Watford's one. What, what was your opinion of, of, of Watford's performance in the second half, though, Jordan? I think we were just we we're just hanging on for, for large portions. You know, we we're just trying to find a way to to stay in the game. We weren't really being creative. There were a couple of opportunities to break and so on, but it was more just kind of weathering the storm. And I think that I think we handled it relatively well for the for the most part. Um the midfield worked really well together. They you know they battled really hard. Chowdhury, I think, was particularly standout, wasn't he? Yeah, I'd say so. I, I think there's an. I don't think for me, he's probably he was probably my man of the match, if I had to say. Um, although both the centre backs played very well, also uh, Chowdhury yeah. got to the but ball. Backman, Backman had a good game too, as well. He did, yeah. No, he did have a good game as well. There was quite a few shouts for um, for man of the match in that one. I think it's probably fair to say. But um, yeah, no, Chowdhury in particular, I thought was was everywhere. He was, you know lunging out of um, the kind of deeper midfield position to win the ball. Um, even when he did get forward, he was he was able to come back and win the ball back. And he was just very combative and effective in that position. There was a couple of times too, we talk about uh, systems and so on. We, we've seen him used at that right centre-back position before, haven't we, as well? And there were quite a few occasions yesterday where Gaspar was pushing up further and, and Chowdhury was set, sitting back into that right-back position, kind of more towards the final quarter of the game. But it was quite frequent. It was clearly something we were trying to work with a little bit, which is, it'll be interesting to see if that's something that we we, we do again. Um, it was a defensive change more than anything, but, you know, just the way that Burnley played, it ended up with him having to come come back in the midfield quite a few times anyway, and he ended up finishing the game there. But clearly, Bilic sees him as, um, as someone that has some utility to him in, in different areas as well. And it was, 
yeah, it was it was a really good performance from him. So promising stuff for uh, for 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 uh, Chowdhury in that position. I think he's uh, he's one that we have to kind of keep available. He, he changes it for us. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mentioned it a second ago, but I, I think Backman had a a particularly good game. And um, you know, I think he's uh, he's making a very steady claim to uh, to be player of the season. Um, come the end of it, as we head towards the final part of. Uh, 2022 23 it's uh i think he's the only person really that's had a pretty smooth mm. uh cons- consistent consistent performance what do you think is he been the most consistent player yeah i think so yeah i think there's probably an argument that he's been the most consistent player for us i'd say it feels like he has um yeah i mean look he's he's not one that's really put too much of i mean he's made the odd mistake of course but i, I don't think that you could really fault it too much it's hardly been um, many clamouring for a Coy to be given a chance, which is you know a sign that that Backman is kind of filling his role pretty well and doing his job. So, yeah, I think he's um, he's mm. one that kind of goes quietly under the radar a little bit. I think we maybe forget about how problematic that situation at goalkeeper could have been. Um, you know, he didn't play much last year at all. Um, you know, dropped from being that starter for for large parts in the championship, and then and then suddenly he's the backup again, and he's. He's kind of taken it in his stride. I mean, it's not. It is only this summer that there's a lot of conversation regarding him leaving the club. So, um, yeah, no, I think Backman's been been pretty pretty good for the the majority of the season so far, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Pedro would probably be up there as well, but he's uh, missed yeah quite a bit of time, hasn't he? But uh... but just for consistency when playing, I think he's you know it's a, it's an area we could be really struggling with right now. We, we're not. It, it's, it wasn't set in stone. We didn't really know coming into this one. It seemed like even the club thought that Akoi might have been the starter, but but Backman has definitely uh, earned his spot, and he doesn't really seem under too much pressure at the minute. No. Let's talk about Bilic then, and um, some of his decisions, particularly in the second half. Uh, let's go for the subs first. He he brought on Arouge uh, for Seba and uh, Martins for Davis around about the seventy minute mark, more or less the same. Mm. Same time. What, what what do you think he was trying to change there, and and, and did that um, did that prove fruitful for him? Well, I think I, I think Davis had Davis had some limited minutes in his legs already, didn't he? He was I think it kind of been questionable whether he'd uh, be able to last a full ninety anyway. So I think there's probably an element of that taking place. But when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You know, Arouge coming on, as we talked about earlier on, it didn't really work. I would like to think that we're trying to be, we weren't doing it just because we had to bring on a strike and that maybe we saw an opportunity to to hurt Burnley. But there's also, there's probably a mixture of both. I imagine it, it's the fact that you had to bring a forward on for Davis and, and it's either him or, or Britt Asimbalunga really. And I think I didn't love what I've seen from from Britt so far. So I think Arouge is the, the more likely to come on. Although he did look a little bit lightweight and I think he, he got a little bit exposed at times too. Um, and then Martins... I don't know what what did you think of Martins in that game? I feel like he there were moments where he carried the ball well and he won a few free kicks and he he was able to hold the ball, but then he wasn't exactly bursting us forward either at that point, was he? Yeah, he's a bit of a bystander, wasn't he? When he when he gets the ball, he seems to move forward, but then very quickly loses possession. Mm, yeah, I think losing possession is definitely an issue. Um, that's one that we have to to watch out for because that's always the fear with when when he comes in is is he going to carry the ball in the wrong spot or is he going to be able to hold on to it long enough to to do something effective with it? It was, yeah, it was a little bit of a stuttered performance. I don't think it was terrible by any means, but it, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was an effective sub, although I don't think the idea was necessarily wrong. So would you say they were both largely ineffectual? Yeah, I think they. I don't really think they 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 improved the team at that point, and I, I won't give. British too much criticism for for it in some ways because they were kind of enforced or at least um, I mean the two players that were coming off were, were players that were just returned weren't they so wait who who came off for Martins now uh, Davis no Davis and then the other sub was Arouge uh, for, for Semmer for Semmer yeah I mean these are both yeah sorry that is correct yeah they're both returning players aren't they so um, it's probably you know, already known that they have got to complete 90 minutes and the subs had to be made. So I guess that's what he felt was best that he could do at that at that time. He also brought on Loser a bit later for Kone as Loser starts to make his way back to full recovery. Um, I was quite impressed actually with what I saw yeah. from, the, from the limited amount of time that we he was on the pitch. It, it's, it's good signs that when he's able to, you know, make a full 90 that he'll be a useful player again. Yeah, I think we... We really needed him when he came on. I think he was the most effective of the subs by far. Um, just his ability to get on the ball and play calm. You know, you're playing against a team like Burnley where as they're mounting pressure towards the end of the game, they're going to have more and more of the ball. They can be probing you and, and trying to find ways through. When you do get possession, you want to try and take as much time on it as you can and, and be calm-headed. And he was always in the right position. He picked it up and moved the ball forward nicely like he does. Um, he's one of the only players that's looking for an option on the ball when we've got it in those pressured situations. That's always positive to see. And off the ball, he can get forward and press. So I think having him back in was, was really important. It's good to see him get more minutes. And it's a shame he couldn't have been on the pitch for a little bit longer even, perhaps. Mm. And then uh, the final change was uh, one that's had some debate over. Cabaselli coming in for Jao Pedro. I mean, you'd imagine that uh, Bilic's thinking here was to try and shore up the defence, stick an extra person in 
um, mm. and, and continue to try and hold out, but uh, didn't quite work out for him that way. No, I think it. Um... I think I think Pedro obviously had worked hard. He'd had a couple of knocks in that game. He's come back from injury himself not too long ago. But I think taking that combative player off and it, Pedro put in a lot of work. And I, I think Burnley were controlling the game anyway by that point uh, to invite that extra bit of pressure for um, that back line to deal with. I don't think the extra centre-back helped things. Um, the way Burnley played, it was more us leaving more positions open than, than shoring something up, it felt like to me. Uh, no, again, it's hindsight. It's easy to criticise the decision now. It kind of went the way it did. But even at the time, I have to say, I, I did feel, and I think many others, basing on what we saw, you know, part of it might be the fact that it was Christian Cabaselli that came on, but also just the negativity of that change. Uh, even though we were under a lot of pressure, I don't. I think we kind of invited a lot more by, by adding that extra centre-back and it, it limited us further. Did he not miss the header or the opportunity to head the ball away? Yeah, so I think with with the with the final goal and, and you know Cabaselli's involvement in, in in particular too, like there's a lot of criticism for him. I, I think the team could have done better with the, with the goal in general. It's not just him accountable. As he just touched on there. The Gaspar at the back post could have potentially um, got got in and, and followed the runner and, and maybe made a play on the ball there to get away. But I'd say if anything, I mean if you watch the goal, just the the kind of flat footedness around. All of those defenders, you know, it's not great. Um, but in regards to Cavaselli, yes, the ball does come in and, and he's the one that's in the position to attack the ball. Um, and he, he doesn't. He doesn't make the doesn't make the jump. He doesn't win the header. He's maybe a little bit blindsided by Ismail Asara in front of him. Perhaps if you're being if you're trying to be fair with, with Cavaselli, he might not have a clear sight line on the ball, especially because Sara is that close and is also near him. But then again, it's not... Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. It's a header he should have won or at least got some contact on. And uh, yeah, so it's a nightmare goal to concede. And, you know, it also makes the sub, of course, look bad. And you make that decision to try and hang on. And unfortunately, you don't. Um, yeah, it's tough. Tough one to take. Yes. Yes, it is. But um, we move on. And at least, at least we do have the point, which I think a lot of us at the start of the game felt that we may not walk away with so that we have to take the positives from the game um the positives being i think watford uh are looking a lot better at the back despite that, that despite that poor showing right at the end there they uh they look a lot better mm. um our, our two new center backs um in portius and uh Huit, um if that's even how you say it. is it Huit or hout or Huit, yeah I think, uh, um those those are probably the other the other two the other main highlights of the game. They, yeah, they, they 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 look continually very good. Mm-hmm. You're more content with that back line now, yeah. I, I think Kamara probably had his best game last night for a while. Yeah. Didn't really do anything to Kamari. No, he, no, he didn't do anything to Kamari. No. He seemed more solid, and I think it it was probably his best game he's had for a while for us. In in, in my opinion, so that was good to see. Um, but yeah, no, I think that back line is looking is, is looking better, and the, you know, the difference it can have it can make just to bring in two two centre backs that can play like that. And you know, we talk about the the, the back line in general. We touched on on Craig Cathcart potentially coming in there as well when fit, and I, I do think that improves it a little bit further too, at least until Ferreira is available again. So yeah, it's not mainly it's not maybe the main worry now. I think probably the biggest thing is is, is chance creation, and the, the defense isn't perfect. But you know, you feel pretty good about the goalkeeper. You feel pretty good about the centre back. So. If they can give you, you know, 70, 80% of 
contentness from that back line, then you're really looking towards those forward areas and how we can start to create some chances and actually uh, hurt teams. Because obviously, you know, we discussed, I know Burnley are a good team, but we struggled to really pose too much of a threat to them. Uh, and, and once we got that goal, we, we really didn't create much, uh, much at all in that sense. So one one is how it finished in the end. Um, Bilic has now uh, won three in 13. Um, comparatively, Edwards managed to win three in 11. So has Bilic really done much better since he's come in? I mean, I guess I guess trying to establish the circumstances surrounding it is the is the question. You know, injuries and so on. I wouldn't say he's done a ton better. Maybe just you've got maybe the club have more sympathy to to the situation he's inherited, and you know, or you're bringing on a team that's struggling a little. So maybe that's where he gets a little bit more leeway. But I mean, clearly, if you're gauging it by by fan base opinion too, then there's definitely the feeling that um, that he's on you know, somewhat borrowed time, perhaps. It's frustrating because it feels like the manga appointment should have been done in readiness for the start of this season. And it would have... That would have been it would have preferable. Probably changed quite, quite a bit. Um, and you feel that Edwards may have been the better choice with with manga rather than, than Bilic with manga. Yeah, I mean, I think what I would say is if you're talking about Manga's ideal appointment time, it would actually probably be somewhere before we even hired Rob, you know, to make sure that it was a coach brought in to, to align with um, with the thought process from from Manga himself. So it's, uh, yeah, but you're not wrong. I, I think there's probably an argument to that. Obviously, Billich is maybe less, um, um, I mean, I guess it's debatable, but I, I don't think it's a it's a wrong way of thinking about it. There's, there's a definitely a good argument that Rob would have been in a better situation had Manga. I mean, I feel the recruitment would have been better. So inherently, Rob would be in a better situation, even if it wasn't particularly tailored to everything he wants. Um, I, I think some of those that come in would be more um, uh, along the lines of what we needed at the time, perhaps. Do you think Bilic is gone no matter what happens at the end of the season? That would be my opinion, which would, it would pretty much have been my opinion at any point of it since since, uh, since his appointment, but you know maybe there's a chance that a similar situation to Cisco where he does well and he stays on regardless. But I'm sure in his mind there's an element that he knew um, that all this he probably expected it to be kind of a one season sort of deal. Who do you think would be the right sort of candidate then to work with with Manga? I mean, I've heard the likes of um, what is it, Addy Hooter, that, that has been mentioned amongst the fan base as someone who Manga has worked with previously and, and might gel with again. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's, a, it's you know, we've talked about this, it seems at nauseam now, but it's to the point that's always worth making. And that's, it, the decision has to start at the top. You have to decide what we try to do, how are we trying to get there, um, what start, what type of football do we want to play, what kind of, what kind of market in terms of players we're going into, what, what do we think works with that. And look, if you establish that, if you establish that you have a, a set philosophy in mind, a set way of recruiting, you can set that that kind of benchmark throughout the entire entirety of the recruitment staff and the coaches and so on. Then you bring in the head coach to to match that, uh, and and then you move forward. So it really depends what Manga wants to do. Now I think I, I talked about this just in terms of trying to think of different possibilities, different ideas, and and not necessarily predict, but maybe just kind of look and what what sort of avenues we could go down. I think Ralph Hassenhutel is a an interesting one. Okay. Um, whether or not he's one that we've now I believe we had interest in him before we went to Southampton, didn't we? Is that correct? Was there ever a physical link with us? Oh, I tested me now. I, I can't I, I can't say for certain. 
Maybe I'm wrong. I thought there was. I, I was sure there was. Maybe there wasn't. I'm not sure. So maybe he's not one that's had any sort of uh, interaction with the club previously. But what I like about that sort of signing, it doesn't have to be him, but someone like him, uh, I think what it does do is it offers you an experienced coach uh, who plays in uh, a way more aligned with the recruitment style that I anticipate us having in terms of sorts of players we'll bring in. So what what what, what does that mean? What does that mean, Jordan? Well, I, I think... I think you can say by even what we've done so far that the demo, age, age demographic is going to go down firstly. Um, okay. So you're looking at more at younger, more kind of dynamic players. And we're talking about players that can offer you maybe a little bit more from a physical output perspective, uh, being those younger guys, hungry guys that are coming in to try and you know progress their careers in some cases, especially, uh, especially the, the, the younger ones. Um, looking at what he did at Frankfurt, they play a lot of energy, a lot of tempo. That their avenues again. He likes to go down. You look at the leagues he works from in Portuguese league, Mexican league. There's technical players in there too, uh, and then you look at the the sort of football that Ralph, that Ralph plays, and you've got the you know high tempo, um, counter pressing. You need technical. You need that high end technical ability to 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 work in the attack. Um, obviously, there's, there's the German connection. And Manga's not German, but there will be players that I'm sure will be coming across that come from um, his his knowledge of German football. So you naturally got a bit of a bridge there with Hassan Hoot. And I think that's the, the key term for me is bridge because you've got the experience built in there, the fresh ideas, relatively fresh when you compare it to someone like Hodgson even more so. But even compared to Bilic, I think Bilic could be a little bit dated at times even perhaps or or maybe not as in, as aligned with what the direction we'd like to go in. But some that can come in and, um, and and kind of translate that across a little bit and work in this new look team because I think the squad will change quite a bit over the summer. But he has a very built-in philosophy and... I think Bilic has tendencies. Um, I don't think there's anywhere near as um, as refined or rigid. Maybe a, a bad word because rigid implies negativity. But I, I think uh, a philosophy that is so ingrained within him, which he's he's extremely comfortable in, in getting across. I think Bilic is decent at adapting to the team. Um, I don't think adapting to this team has done too many favours to us. We still look pretty lost and we still lack any sort of identity. I think having someone like Hassan Hutter would 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 have changed that quite quickly, uh, especially when you get a new breed of players coming through. So if you can do that and set that as a, as a blueprint almost, and then you can work from there. You don't have to be tied to that one coach forever or even long-term. But as long as you're you're hiring to someone that you know aspires to play in a similar way, then you're set pretty comfortably to to make minor adjustments and minor tweaks with the, the least damage possible, which is a model we almost went down early on. When we first started switching coaches, it wasn't such a such a big thing because there was similarities between all of them. But then that started to shift, and recruitment started to shift, and it becomes this big mess we find ourselves in now. Do you think whoever comes in needs to be someone that uh, is uh, a, a friend of data that they like to to get more involved with the sports science side of things? And because uh, I I know that um, that manga's you know quite for that, right? Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think I think data's a tool. I, I don't think it's the be all and end all, but I think it's a useful tool. Or in, in conjunction with with other elements of the game, it, it's something that you've got to be aware of. I, I think you can definitely, it's definitely kind of the the in thing. 
Um, but it's, it's also part of that for a reason too. There, is, there are a lot of benefits to it. And in terms of coaching, I think understanding it is, is one thing and having someone that's open-minded um, to, to taking it in as a tool. I mean, the, the same, you know, with any sort of industry, if you, if you bring something different to people that are established in a certain career, then sometimes that, that change or, you know, modification can, can, can be met with um, kind of resentment or closed offness. But I think having someone that's able to, as I said, be open-minded and take that into account. And if, if Manga uses it to to high effect in his in his scouting and his um his acquiring of players, then that's good. But it it's something that the, the coach doesn't necessarily have to be massively focused around. But yeah, they should be open-minded to to using it as a tool when it's available. And if we do put more into making that um something we we kind of push towards the forefront of our development or you know analyzing performance whether it be from our own players opposition or, or potential uh, signings then then yeah we've got to be forward thinking and as i said it comes from the top you've got to, you've got to lay the found what the foundations and and create a environment where that sort of thing can can succeed and grow i see watford currently have an exciting sports science internship opportunity Jordan. oh yes yeah i don't love that either that's this is one thing I don't want to go on a rant here because I feel like I've been ranting already, but that's that's one area which really does bother me. Seeing these um, seeing these postings for internships which are unpaid, yet ask for full time hours, you know, not just normal hours. Even not talking nine to five, we're talking about evenings, weekends, all sorts of things, and yet they'll pay the the expenses, but but no salary, zero salary, and. Look, I've spoken to a few interns that have worked there and I, I know the situation they find themselves in as interns. And I don't think it's very good. And it's not unique to Watford by any means, but obviously as a Watford fan, it, it's the most important club to get this thing right. And the working conditions aren't great. It's not it's not a great situation to be in. And look, football clubs use the novelty of working for a football club to their advantage. And I, I don't agree with it. I don't like it at all. Uh, especially when we're talking about the salaries involved, you know, it's, it's it's a drop in the ocean compared to fees that we've paid on, you know, managers that we've that we've let go, or you know, even someone like Raymond Nye's contract. It's ridiculous, isn't it? How you can you can pay so much to a, a player who perhaps isn't even, you know, involved in the squad. Um, I mean, look how much we're paying for for Courtney House at the minute, and yet we um, we we can't afford to pay for uh, for someone with probably a degree in sports science to come in and uh, work for us you know even at a junior level uh, you know it doesn't have to be you know more than I don't know what, what, what would be a reasonable fee for a starter in that sort of industry 25 30 something like that I mean yeah you're looking at I mean you know you're still talking about probably like more expensive prices location wise and yeah, I mean, look, twenty five thirty. It's not we're not. It's not much at all, is it? It's less than a week's wages for a lot of these players. So it's not. It's really ridiculous. It's it's insane. And I think it's, you know, you're also missing an opportunity too. I think when you have a lot of these guys come through, you you know, you bring in through these guys and girls play in these internships, then it's an opportunity for you to 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 also cultivate talent. You can find talent yourself in those positions. And if you you make yourself a place they want to work for and, and come back and they can add something and grow with your club, then why wouldn't you want want that? Uh, the problem is we're approaching it as a as a way to get free labor and that that's the issue. Uh, I've known, you know, even even one of the interns I, I've I've spoken to recently talking about his time at Watford where he was in a zero 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 salary situation and they had to fight tooth now to get any sort of eventually he got some level of salary but still way below industry standards for that for that role 
um, just to kind of make you know make ends meet in the meantime because that you're basically asking you can come and work for this club if you've got support from your parents or if you have some level of savings which most university students aren't going to have at that time in their life you're asking for external funding to 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 be able to support yourselves in order to work a honestly more than full time hour job in most cases so why would you limit your pool like that and basically cut out people that are trying to grow an industry and actually learn something it's uh it's really quite pathetic and i don't think it gets quite enough attention because because industry sorry football as an industry can be quite hard to get into and work within uh, and it can be quite private too uh, but yeah, th- these sort of things are, are far too common. And we know it's happened at Watford in, re- in regards to uh, recru- uh, uh, an analyst intern. Uh, there's a couple of those spots that have gone exactly the same position, no funding available, uh, and now uh, sports science. And you have to feel for these departments too, because I'm sure I'm sure they're asking for more full-time staff and you know more more people available to help in in their in their situation, ideal world. They'd have you know some full-time analysts added, um, and and then in the sports science, you know another uh depends what department exactly within the sports science you're trying to bring them into but whatever you need bringing them in as a paid employee and you can supplement that with interns even as well but yeah this is clearly not good especially when we're talking about injury situation and trying to improve that if this is an answer to to help and kind of spread out that workload a little bit it's the laziest kind of most pathetic attempt there is Mm. okay then what for um don't have a game this weekend instead they have a game on monday evening as they welcome west bromwich albion uh, i think it's on sky that one actually uh the evening fixture i think it's eight o'clock kickoff um jordan what do you want to see uh formation and personnel wise for this one oh, good question i mean look i don't mind sticking with the same formation but i'd like to see the main inclusion for this one, I think seeing Imran lose a start, if that was at all possible, he's got a little bit of time now between almost a week to to uh, to kind of get into match preparation and be ready for that game. If he could come in to start, I think that could change a significant amount. It could make us look a little sharper. Um, that's prob- Who does he come in for? Uh, well, I think him, Shadri, and then like, you'd imagine Kone as, as the midfield three. Okay, so Senna dropping out in this case then. Yeah, that would probably, probably be my expectation. Although you've also got the question of how do you get Pedro in? I mean, look, I wouldn't even be against uh, Chadri and, and Luzer as a two and then allow Pedro up front a little bit. Sorry, not up front, further in front just to kind of be that more um, supplementary kind of forward sort of player. But the different ways you can approach it. And I, I think for me, the most important thing is that if we can get him into that team and kind of allow us to uh, play in that slightly different tempo and uh, and ability on the ball in midfield, that's... That's only a plus for us. I don't think he adds too many negatives to the midfield setup as it currently is. Davis to continue up front? It's a good question, Matt. I don't know. Um, I quite like to see a Rouge in there again uh, from the start. And, and look, maybe the midfield three, maybe the tempo we could we could increase with, with Loser. Perhaps Loser's even someone that can find him a little bit more too. I think when we, we look back at the games Loser was playing before his, his, his leg break, he was the, one of the only players that was actually playing that ball into the forward. How often do you see one of our midfielders play the ball into the striker in a dangerous position, whether it's playing them through? I mean, when was the last time you can picture one of our central figures, like a central striker, not one of our wingers, one of our forwards being played through on goal in like a one-on-one situation? It's very rare that happens. Um, and part of that is teams sitting back against us. Part of that is... Um, I feel like I feel like Kone... Picked out a pretty decent. You're right. Ball, yeah, he um, did. Picking the Blackburn. Yeah, game, no, exactly. He did pick up a good ball. Yeah, for sure. was that four? Who was that four in that one? Do you remember? Uh, I can't remember. Maybe it was for Bio. 
maybe maybe no. I don't know. I, no, Bio was gone by that point. A Rouge, I think it was actually. Oh, of course, yeah. Was it a Rouge? Okay. Either way, I remember the ball you're talking about, kind of yeah. But that it's not frequent. It's not very often, and I I think we can do more of that when we have someone like Loser in the field who's able to look forward, but not just do it, but also not just look for it, but also have the ability to execute those passes. Um, so that's what I'd like to see. And I'd like to see if that gave us a different dimension. And, and in which case, um, I'd like to see Henry Carouche given the chance to just to get on the score sheet and see if we can get something going with him. And there's nothing against um, with against Davis. I think is that I wouldn't hate if he was playing by any means. I think he's a good player, but um, there's 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 a position there that's open for for winning. And I don't think Davis did anything to necessarily nail down that starting spot. Neither did the Rouge, but we we tried Davis last game. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing. Uh, seeing a change there okay nice um one note that i wanted to make because we've been quite critical of referees this season uh i felt i felt as a referee uh lee doughty actually had a a pretty decent game and i i thought it was worth it was worth noting because the standard has been pretty poor this season i don't know what what you thought about his performance yeah i think he was largely okay wasn't he I, I can't basically i can't remember anything standing out which is generally a good sign uh, especially in, in comparison to recent weeks um the only thing which i wouldn't even say was really his fault but the, the whole corner situation with ashley barnes and hoy and you know that that became a bit silly but he did a decent job of controlling the situation i thought um yeah no i, I don't think it was bad and as by by championship standard the referees he was up there with one of the best we've had, probably. Look, just thinking back on it a day later, yeah, I'd say that's probably fair. Cool. All right, then, Jordan, thanks for joining me this evening. Um, we don't usually do the midweek uh, games because it's just not possible to fit it in with our very hectic uh, schedules, but uh, the opportunity arose and we were both free, so we thought, let's do it. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this one. Uh, we should be back after, uh, well, we, I guess it'll be technically another midweek, won't it? Monday evening. Hopefully we can get together on Tuesday and discuss uh, this way and get something out. But um, yeah, I've enjoyed this. Thanks very much, Jordan. Yeah, the pleasure as always. I'm always happy to get on and do this when we can. It's a shame we couldn't sub Tom on in the last minute to make it a back three, but... Um, oh, we probably yeah. would have missed the header and then yeah, let, 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 let the other team score. Yeah, <laughs> we lost a file yeah. and the podcast wouldn't go out. Yeah, so we, we managed to hold it on in, in, in the back <laughs> line. And, uh, yeah, on to the next one. Looking forward to Monday. Okay, well, uh, we'll see you then. Goodbye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.